You're listening to the No Farting Around Show. We're all about taking your marketing and business from the toilet to the bank. I'm your host, Ashley Mae Fernandez, and this is the only show where making a disruptive noise smells like success. Each week, I interview high-level disruptors who are making a big stink in their industry by doing things their own way while you listen in and ask a question or two. Talk show, live studio audience style. Expect all things marketing, messaging, money, and mindset, and only strategies that don't include farting and darting or treating your clients like an afterthought. So if you're ready to stop farting around and actually scale your business, let's cut to the cheese and get on with the show. Okay, I am, I say this every single time that I do a podcast episode or a live, but I am so excited to talk about this topic today. I am going to get incredibly nerdy. Um, and go super deep with this. It was funny because in the meeting that I was just talking to this morning, we were talking about just language and just even the one shift that they have made that just really changed the game for them. And it was like just one word, which is insane. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that. Okay. So let's just jump right in. Just jump right in. I have titled this three ways your messaging is attracting unideal clients. Now, I might change that title for the podcast episode. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, that's not what the title said, who knows? You guys know that when I start talking, it tends to go down rabbit holes. I think that's actually my, I think that's my strength, right? But I know a lot of people think going down rabbit holes is a really bad thing. I actually find it to be a really fun thing. Um, and a really good thing because then you're more informed. And so I just love it. I'm going to own it as possible. I go down rabbit holes. And so it, it, this topic might go in some different directions. And if I think of a better title, then I might just name it that. So there's that. Okay. So I'm just going to jump right into the very first thing. So one of the first reasons why your messaging is attracting unideal clients is that, um, I'm just going to flip it. I was going to do this the third, but I'm going to do it first. You're using language, okay? This is going to be a really funny concept, but you're using language that creates more work for you and attracts people who don't implement and are not where they need to be to get the result in your offer. Okay, let me unpack that. Sometimes the messaging that you're using, the language that you're using is creating more work for you. And then it attracts people unintentionally who don't actually take action, therefore proving that you have to show up and do more work. And really, truly, it's messaging that isn't speaking to the person at a certain level. Now I'm going to give you a really awesome example because this happened in this group. I'm gonna actually scroll into the group really quick so I don't butcher uh, the words. So the title of this training, okay? The title of this training is three ways your messaging is attracting unideal clients. Now, I'm gonna break this down. I did this intentionally. Why did I do this intentionally? Because by stating your messaging, one, it automatically feels like I'm talking to you because I use the word your, right? 
And on top of that, I said, your messaging, which means you actually have some type of messaging. You're not a brand new beginner. It actually insinuates that you're out there actually creating content. And that is my ideal client. My ideal client already has to have some sort of a message. It means they've already put something out there and it's not really giving them the result they want. If I, actually, I'm going to keep going. Um, I hope you can see that. I did that intentionally because I'm calling out the person who already has a messaging problem. You don't know you have a messaging problem unless you've already put something out and it did not give you the result you want. Does that make sense? I hope it does. On top of that, I use specifically is attracting, three reasons why your messaging is attracting unideal clients. Now, I did that also intentionally because by saying is attracting unideal clients, it isn't three reasons why your messaging is not attracting clients. I said unideal because it insinuates that you've already had clients that were unideal. Make sense? I did this so intentionally, right? Because I want, my ideal client is someone who knows they have a messaging problem. They're aware. I also didn't say something like three ways you're not attracting unideal clients. I specifically said three ways you're messaging because my ideal client has a messaging problem. I did it so intentionally. <laughs> it's funny. So by saying is attracting unideal clients, first of all, it's already insinuating that you're attracting someone. Period. It's also saying that you've already worked with clients and you already know that they weren't ideal. And you're like, look, I've worked with these clients. I, they're not the most ideal clients. How can I bring in the ones that are? It also insinuates that you probably have worked with some ideal ones. So you look, I want to create the messaging that speaks only to my ideal clients. You already know who your ideal client is on some type of level. Now, I'm going to say, I did this intentionally. And then when I actually asked in the Facebook group, when I asked in the Facebook group, what training would you see? Someone actually commented. And it was funny that she commented this because I laughed because I was like, yep, I did this intentionally. And this is going to be a really great thing to talk about in the episode. So she commented or she added a new option and she added three ways to shift your messaging to attract ideal clients. Okay. And she said, sorry to be finicky, but I prefer the positive inversion of the option you already have. Now, here's the reason why I did not go with the positive. Because if something is positive, most people don't pay attention to it. If it's not a problem for you, you're going to ignore. Most people who go towards the positive is because they just want to learn more information. It's not because they want to solve a problem. And I know that sounds like a Debbie Downer, but it's almost like me saying, here's some Tylenol. You'll be like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's a great medicine. Versus if you have a headache, you're going to be like, yeah, I want to know the Tylenol. When you speak, and again, I don't want to go super negative, Nancy, by any means, but when you are positioning it towards someone who has a problem, they're going to be more likely to pay attention and it piques curiosity. Again, it's also saying you already have a messaging that is attracting a client that's not ideal. I don't even want to explain that because I've already explained it in the beginning, but I hope you can see that. You can see that. And the way that she said three ways to shift your messaging to attract ideal clients, 
even on that level, that does not tell me if she already has ideal clients. She might not have any clients at all. I don't speak to that person. I don't speak to the person who has an attracted clients at all. And you don't know with that type of messaging, you don't know. And then three ways to shift your messaging to attract ideal clients. It's not telling me if your messaging has already attracted one ideal client or if it's already attracting unideal clients. I don't even know if you have messaging. Really, I don't even know if you have messaging. So it's funny that she did this because I was like, yeah, this is, and I responded. I also intentionally left that out or she said something like, um, I'll just read the notes. I said, I actually did my wording, actually did my wording on purpose by stating three ways. And again, I explained it, blah, 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 blah. And I said, the way you worded it is positive. Yes. However, it can be interpreted as someone who isn't attracting clients at all. And she said, okay, I see that. And then she said, okay, perhaps then by adding on the end and what to do. And I said, basically like, I also intentionally left that out because it draws more curiosity to join. This is an NLP and hypnotherapy tactic, right? This is an NLP tactic. It's done specifically to produce a feeling, a certain feeling and a thought in particular part of the brain. This is the nuances of language. This is the nuances of messaging. You have to get so specific. And I wanted to use this title as an example because it's just a great, it's just a great example. I'm like, wow, I can just use this as the example in the episode. But I really hope that makes sense. You're using language that creates more work for you. If I used her positive one, let's say, for example, I used her positive language and someone came in who maybe have only signed one client ever, they're not going to be a perfect fit for me. Therefore, I can still help them. Yes, but it's going to create way more work for me because they don't have the assets in place. They haven't already taken the actions that they need to have taken to be aligned 100% to get the result that I want them to get or that my, that I'm talking about in my program. Oh, I'll add this one last thing. A lot of the times too, using words, there's certain words that you can use that almost elicits in their brain that you're going to do the work for them. Now I'm going to give you an example and then I'll move on to the next one. I'm like, this is the example is too good. I'll share. And this actually goes into kind of the, the next one I'm going to go into, but I'll just share it. One of my clients, and I've, I think I've actually said this before on a podcast episode, um, but one of my clients was basically her company helped people with concussion symptoms. Like she, she really helped them manage it and overcome some concussion symptoms that they had. And she had a masterclass that she did. And all of her messaging and her language was around, I help you navigate your concussion symptoms. Okay. And so her masterclass title was like three ways to navigate your concussion symptoms, blah, 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 something like that. And this is what she found. She found that yes, it sold her offer, but the clientele, the caliber of client that came in was someone with a very victim mentality. It was very, I'm so defeated. I really need someone to help me, but it was way more this feeling of desperation than it was empowerment. And she couldn't figure out why. So then we sat down with her messaging and I was like, you are literally calling in the people who feel like they can't do it themselves because you're saying, I help you navigate. And you're also, by using the word navigate, you're almost telling them that you're going to be the one to do the work for them. And this aha moment clicked for her. And she's like, oh my gosh, you are totally right. 
So we played around with some of her language and we looked really deeply into her ideal clients. What were their awareness? What were their abilities? What were their actions they'd already taken? What were the assets they already have? All of these different things. And we restructured it. And in her messaging, then she did another masterclass and she said something, I don't remember the exact title, but it was something like regain control of your life after a concussion or something like that. It was something like regain. She used the word regain. And here's the thing. When you use words, take back control or regain, it automatically gives your ideal client a sense of empowerment because they're like, Heck yeah, this was taken away from me and I'm ready to regain that back. I am ready to take back control. It's already getting them in this headspace of I'm going to show up and do the work. And you're more going to be the guide, not the savior. Does that make sense? And what happened was she was like, the level of client, the caliber of client who came in during this masterclass that she did was like bar nuts. She said, Ashley, they joined the Facebook group and they were already like, empowering each other. And it was just, the energy was so different. And I was like, cause you actually called in that person on a psychological level. Okay. That's the last example I'm going to use for that one. I'm going to go into, and these all kind of mesh together, but I'll go into the next one, which I actually posted in the Facebook group about this yesterday, but I'm going to give you another example that even happened yesterday that I was like, this is perfect. So the second reason, or the second way your messaging is not, is attracting unideal clients is you're using, I'm <laughs> being punny, trigger words um, that elicit a negative emotion, thought, or reaction in that. So it ties into what I was just talking about. But the example that I used in the Facebook group yesterday, and then I'll actually tell an example that I used that actually happened yesterday in the mastermind that I'm in, is my husband and I were at a marriage retreat this weekend. We do it every single year. Um, it's put on by the Army National Guard. It's called Strong Bonds. And it's just a way for us to get away for the weekend and really connect and just really get to have some intimate alone time as well as like really set goals for our marriage and work on our marriage. It is just the most amazing thing. And the chaplain was talking to all of us. And since this is the Army National Guard, at least one person, one spouse that was here is in the military. And I don't know if anyone else has a military spouse or if you're in the military, um, you know, it's a whole different world, right? Like entrepreneurship's a whole world. Uh, military is such a whole world. It's like a whole completely different world. But the chaplain, his energy was really great. He was funny. He was talking and everyone was engaged. And then he started talking about the concept of habits. And he was saying, your behaviors turn into habits. And he was like, and this, and this is what can happen. And he said around the words of like, when your spouse will do something and it will trigger you. And when you're triggered, that also triggers something in you to get mad or to get angry. And I, as soon as I heard the word trigger, I stopped for a minute and I like started to look around because I know these things, right? I've studied it, but I started to pay attention to the, to people's energy and you could see people's shoulders tense up. You could see people like duck down in their seat. He lost the audience. He lost it. Like he lost us all. Right. And I knew it. I knew it. And so after we had our little break, I was talking to my husband and I said, did you notice the energy shift in the room when he started talking about triggers? He said, yeah, I did. And he was like, honestly, when he said it, 
I tensed up because I immediately went to a thought of me being in Iraq and getting yelled at to pull the trigger on an enemy that ran out in front of one of their things, which he said he didn't end up shooting. He froze, but, and then he had so much guilt because in the military, you're not supposed to freeze, right? Like freezing can cost you your life. But I explain why this word is so bad because when you have someone in the military The word trigger is automatically associated with a gun. And in the military, a gun is used as a weapon to protect yourself against the enemy. And he used this term in the context of a marriage. So on a subconscious level, that word automatically created an association with your spouse being the enemy. Did he intend to do that? Absolutely not. But that is how our brains will operate because our programming will drive our thoughts. Our thoughts will drive our feelings. Our feelings will drive our actions. Our actions will drive our results. And if you're programmed in the military to pull the trigger on an enemy to protect yourself, the word trigger, no pun intended, can trigger a negative thought, a negative association, right? And he lost the room. And it was a really great example because I told my husband that and he was like, oh my God, you're so right. Like I immediately tensed up. I didn't, I felt uncomfortable. I got like nervous. He said, I I started to feel guilty and shame about that one time that I froze and like how much guilt I felt. It was just this whole spiral. And even though he didn't mean to do it, he, he could have intentionally created that sense that now your spouse is the enemy in a high intense argument that now you're like, oh, she's triggering me or he's triggering me, you're automatically going to see them as the enemy and you have to protect yourself. I hope that makes sense. But it was just so, oh my God. And when I told the example of the husband, he said, that makes so much sense. I'm like, this is the greatest example of what I do on the planet. I'm so glad that this happened to where you actually could experience it. And a lot of you guys are doing that. You're using words in your messaging That is, I don't like to use the word trigger, but that is eliciting a negative thought and it's literally repelling. It's repelling you. I'm going to give you another example that just happened yesterday in the mastermind. Now, one of the guys in my mastermind that I'm in, he basically helps men 40 to 50 years old. Like when, as he was explaining it, basically transition from a job that they've been in their entire life to now actually step into their dream job. Okay. And that's how he explained it. And as he was talking, he was saying they felt like they have always just had to make money their entire life. And now they've hit an age where they're like, I want to enjoy my life. It's no longer really about the money. It's more about, I want to do something that like fulfills. And he kept saying, I helped them find their dream job. I helped them find their dream job. And I I am, and and then he started talking, which is hilarious because he was like, yeah. And like the people that have gotten it, I always have to show up and I feel like I have to handhold them. And I feel like I'm always having to encourage them throughout the thing, which goes back into the very first thing I talked about, creating more work for yourself. And I started laughing um, to myself, not like to, not to his face or whatever. I started laughing and I said, I actually have some advice for you. And he said, yeah, I said, I would actually stop using the language dream job. And he was like, why? I said, because here's the thing. They've already been in a job and someone, a man at that age, who's in their late forties to fifties, 
the way they grew up was literally you have to get a job and make money. And they've already been in a job. They've already been in a job. They don't want another job. The word job to them has a negative connotation to it. It feels heavy. It makes them feel pressured because they've literally had the thought of I've stayed in this job to make money and it was draining and it's sucking and I'm overwhelmed and I don't want to do it anymore. So you're now saying I help you basically step into your dream job. Your, your dream and job are going to be two very different things. And so trying to mesh those together is not going to sit well. And their mind went, he was like, oh my God. And I actually told him, I said, it's funny that you even use this because my father-in-law had a very successful forestry business for years. And then one day when he was like 52, 53 years old, he just decided, I don't want to do for, I don't want to own my own business anymore. I don't want to work myself to the bone. I want to do something different. And he went back to school to do radiography. He now works in a heart center. They did that at 52, 53 years old. And I remember asking him like, what, what was it? Like, what was your reason of doing that? If you would have just kept working a few more years, you could have retired. And my other thing, he was like, I no longer wanted a job. It's literally what he said. And it was funny because he was an entrepreneur. He was like, it was a job. I didn't want a job anymore. And it was funny because he associated like the job with this really stressful business that made him money. He's like, I don't want to, I didn't want a job anymore because it feels heavy. It doesn't feel good. Like a job doesn't feel good. And anyways, that was another example. As another example of just even shifting that word. And again, we didn't actually land on language in this mastermind yesterday, but that was just an aha moment where he was like, oh my God, you're so right. Because the people I, that I'm bringing in, they still have this like negative association with jobs. So they're fighting me the entire time. They're resistant the entire time. And I feel like I have to just basically handhold and coach. I'm like, yeah, it's one word. It's one word. It's how your clients think about it. And it's different for everyone. And it's so nuanced and so subtle. So yeah, that's one and two. And then the third one, which I've already talked about a little bit, but I can explain it a little bit more is you're positioning yourself as the savior and not the guide. And so let me explain that maybe a little bit more since I've already talked about it, but a lot of the times I'll see language and it actually was pointed out to me one time where I was like, oh my God, you're totally right. When we're talking about our offer, when we are creating content about our offer, it's always using the word I or the word we, right? That's a lot of what we're doing. And when we use those words, you're automatically putting responsibility on yourself to help that person get results. And if you're attracting someone who's not an action taker through some other languaging that you're doing, you're going to end up really having to overwork in your offer, creating more work for your program. And so this looks like something like, or even my. That's another thing. You see something like my program will help you, blah, blah, blah. Stop. Don't use my. Even using those things, it's literally in their brain on a psychological level telling them like, oh, this is their work and they're going to do the job. 
I know it's very subtle, but it's true. So even using things like, like in, in my four week program, we walk you through blank. No, stop. Flip it to a you. So I could say in the four week program, you will have access to tools that will help you blank. It's not, I will give you tools blank. It is, you will have access to tools. And even just saying that right off the bat, they're like, oh, I'll have access to these tools, which means I have to show up and actually take advantage of these tools to help blank. And I actually see this a lot, just on another level, not even really within messaging, but what you're saying a lot of the times will show up in other areas of your life or show up in different areas of your program. And I was actually on a call with a friend the other day and she was talking about her offer and she had this because, and a lot of her language was like my offer, I help you, we blank blank. And she kept saying things like that. And so I was like, okay, this is going to show up somewhere else. Where is it going to show up? So then she even said, I've had a lot of people tell me no, and it just makes me feel um, really defeated. And it makes me feel like I'm a failure. And I was like, why are you making a no mean anything about you? And she was like, I don't know. And I said, look, the circumstance of this situation is that client or potential client said, no, you're, you don't feel defeated that she said no. You feel defeated because you have a thought about them saying no. And when we, I hope that makes sense, right? Because a client, like it's subjective, right? Let's say I get on a sales call right now and someone says no. I'll just be like, okay, someone said no. That's fine. What they weren't ready, they weren't ready. That was their decision. I actually celebrate the fact that they made a decision. Woohoo! Heck yeah, you made a decision. Good. A lot of people don't make decisions. They stuck, they stay stuck in indecision. Glad you made a decision. But let's say Monica, I don't, I'm not putting words in your mouth, Monica, but Monica's on. Maybe someone, she gets on a cell call and someone tells her no, and she just spirals and she's my offer's not good enough. I'm not good enough. Oh my God. Right. Like she can make it mean something so different about herself. And I can always tell if someone has that personal attachment to their offer based off of their messaging and the way they even present their content. But we had to go in and, and change that thought of no. And she kept saying, my offer is this amount of money. My offer will help you. And I said, stop saying my, just say the offer program is this. The shift to sell program is this amount of money. The shift to sell program is this in blank. Not like my program is this. Well, when people say, what are your prices? You'll say, oh, my, my prices are blank. No, say the price to work or the price to have access to my service is blank. You need to eliminate your attachment to your offer, right? You need to eliminate the attachment to your offer. I went on a, on a tangent, but I see it. I see it so much. And when you have this personal attachment to your offer, you tend to use languages like, I'm going to help you do this versus and, and again, when you have that attachment to it, you're going to show up and try to over deliver 
constantly people please and create so much more work for yourself because you're literally drawing people in who are believing like you're literally telling them i'm going to be the one helping you do all of this so of course they're going to take advantage of that and you're going to call in those people who who aren't empowered to take action on their own but then what ends up happening is you you become overworked you become resentful then you might think i need some other offer and i need to create just this whole downward spiral i could go on and on but just even that little subtle thing of removing that language and using language that's you just even saying you so like again saying something like you will have access to blank not i will provide you with tools to blank no you will have access to the tool maybe you can say you will have access to the tools if you want to do you you have access to the tools i've created to help you if you want to say i create if you have to throw it in there you could say that but you need to turn the responsibility back onto them. And the last thing I'll say within this one is a lot of the times this ends up happening because you're trying to sell yourself as a service provider versus the process that you're selling. This is why every single person I work with, we have to put what they do in some type of a method or process. Because at the end of the day, if you do not have a method or process, people are going to hire you for you, which means they're going to hire you to do all of the work or to like basically handhold them and do it. So you're positioning it as, yep, you're going to be working with me. Again, creating more work for yourself versus you're selling a process. And now I also want to say that by selling a process, first of all, you can trademark that process. And if you ever want to scale really big down the line, you can trademark that process, teach it to somebody else, and it can be a certification type of program. Again, that's like way down the road, but I've seen a lot of people, story brand is like that. Like story brand is literally a concept and he has now, obviously he's now, he has story brand coaches, right? He took his process and put it in a way. He's not selling working with him. He's selling the story brand process that you're going through. And a lot of the times, if you are using that language of I or my, you are, when you are using that language, you are automatically going to have this sense of, okay, I have to, I have, they're, they're buying for me. And that puts a lot of pressure on you. And that's not fun. Who wants that pressure? Nobody wants that pressure. But yeah, so even positioning it to like, you're selling your process. And I actually had this said to me, just funny. I had this said to me when it was my hot seat in the mastermind this past week. She said, a lot of entrepreneurs think they're a unicorn. And you think that people can't do what you do. And that is the worst thought to ever have in your business because you will always stay stagnant. You'll never get out of your business. And I was like, yeah, you're totally right. You're 100%. And I think this is a really great way to do that is you're selling your, you're selling your process and as almost like a product versus a service for you. Okay. We have a question. How would you recommend messaging for something like a mastermind where it is more group slash done with you kind of work? I currently have a membership that is more self-study. So now while making my copy for my mastermind, I'm struggling making sure it is attracting the right person who will ready to do the work. What is the mastermind promise is the first thing. What is it that they're going to get out 
of the mastermind. What is the mastermind centered around? For example, the mastermind that I'm in, it's all around helping you basically um, the concept of, how do, you, how do I say it? The concept of the who before the how. It's a lot of self-development, but for entrepreneurs. So it's focusing more on who you are as a person and how can you create structure in your business that serves you and how you best operate. The process that we're going through is a lot of self-development work with a few of tactical strategy pieces in the business side that is a perfect fit for who you are as an individual. So it, it really just depends on what it is. I would need a ton more information. This is why I need a lot more information to be able to really speak into that. I also don't know who your ideal client is, who is a perfect fit for it, all that. And that also is dependent on your messaging as well. Like I guess the other examples that I've used, right? Yeah, that is not my, that's not my quote. It is the who before the how, because you still need to know the how, but if you're not the person capable of implementing the how, it doesn't matter. Like you, and a lot of what people do is they end up building a business on the how can they build the business versus who you need to be to actually build the business. So you build this business that just feels heavy and it, you struggle. And through story, you guys know, I was there earlier this year. I, there was a point where I just, earlier this year, I looked at my business and I was like, oh my God, this is not at all what I want to be doing. But there was a point where I just looked around and I was like, oh, this is not what I want. And I really had to go on like a self-discovery journey. of okay, actually, who are you? What do you want to do? Um, and I really had to create a vision for me in my life, which is, you know, the, why I joined the mastermind that I'm in now, because I want to build a business around my life, not a life around my business. Right. And that's what really attracted me. And a lot of the language, actually, I didn't really see a lot of his messaging. He was just actually someone I had connected with through a friend. And as soon as I got on a call with him just to connect, I was like, I want to be a part of everything that you're doing, sign me up. But that is what the mastermind is really about, is really the self, the personal development, the self-development uh, work, and then building your business to map that you are as a person and what you want to build in the world and who you want to be in the world. But yeah, so I hope this was very helpful um, for everyone. This is something that's so nuanced, but it's so freaking fun. And it's just these little, small, little, small things that make such a huge difference. And even this morning I was talking to a, there is a media, digital marketing media agency in the building that I have my office in. And we were having a meeting this morning and we just started nerding out on things. And uh, he does a lot, they do a lot more of like video marketing. Um, and he was saying like, we have this product and we're trying to position it this certain way. And uh, he kept saying for course creators, but I, I stopped and I was like, I would actually stop saying course creators because what you're trying to do anyway, totally random. I don't want to go into everything he's trying to do, but it didn't match up. He, it was like, I was like, but here, course create, when you hear first hear a course, you think of evergreen. You don't really think of something that needs continuing coaching, right? Like you don't ever really think that it's more of evergreen. And he was like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. So even just that one shift, he was like not getting traction because he was talking. He was using the word course creator to, to call out the ideal client, but it, it wasn't matched. It wasn't matched with what he was going to do. And he had to, he's like, I'm so close to it. He's like that. I, I can't see him. And so we had, to, we, we jammed on a few things and then we were like, let's set up another time next week to do it. But uh, yeah, 
as I'm writing my copy for my challenge, I'm going to take this on board. It's so much easier to see it for someone else. Yeah, 100% is so much easier to see it for somebody else than yourself, which is ironically, Monica, I laugh because I actually was talking about this um, yesterday is that a lot of the times the people that I bring, like I've had, I've worked with a few copywriters. Like it's so funny because they have so much sense and copy, but they're so close to it for themselves that they can't see it. And I actually love working with copywriters because they already know how to write. They just are missing the few um, psychological changes that need to happen in their messaging because they're so close to it. And I'll even say too, like with having the background in hypnotherapy and NLP, which is a lot of rewiring the subconscious brain and seeing the patterns, which I really didn't, to be honest with you guys, I really didn't lean into a lot until this past year, I want to say, but really seeing the correlation and the connection and, and speaking more to the pattern and not the actual problem. It started to really open up this whole, like this whole thing and really involving a lot more mindset work with my clients, because a lot of the times these messaging things are these message, I don't want to say mistakes because I don't feel like but the way that they're messaging themselves, it's a reflection of their mindset. So going even back to the example of using like I or me or my, a lot of the times they have an underlying thought that they need to prove something that they're not good. At. And this is like their baby. So they have to like prove it. Like it's so simple. And again, when they show up with that energy, the opposite of that, the correlation of the thought I'm not good enough is they have to do a ton of things. They have to over-deliver and they have to show up to And it's funny because I can see it so much in their messaging. And those are the things we have to click those things. We have to shift those things so that when they show up, there's no attachment. There's no thought process of Someone has to buy into my offer and get amazing results for me to feel good. Yeah, that's right. And I'm just getting in my head about the messages. Oh, you're so welcome. My, my suggestion to you is, I know you said earlier, she said for everyone that's maybe listening, she said, new to the group and so glad I joined. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm about to be launching a high ticket offer, my mastermind, and I am just getting in my head about the messaging. So this was really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm being so glad for saying those really sweet words. My only suggestion to you is to, I know you said earlier that you had a, you had some type of membership program. I would choose maybe the top three to four people in your membership program who have gotten amazing results that you would love to work with and really devour into them what their next step would be. Now that they've got maybe mastered what your membership was meant for them to master, what is now the next problem that they have? Does that make sense? What is now the next level that will come up? Because I also truly believe that your offer should only solve one problem. And if it's more of like maybe amplifying that problem, like maybe they've gotten the basics and now they need to amplify it, what would be the next step in the amplification? That's just, again, you could take or leave that, but that would be my suggestion when you have a new offer. I actually specifically work with people who already have a validated high ticket offer because it, one, it's a lot easier. I'm not creating more work for myself. It's a lot easier for me to come in and see what the messaging is already there and why it was attracting unideal clients and changing all of that. Yeah, you, yeah, Monica, you got to, you all know if you've been around for a while, I have the term whopper offer. Do not create a whopper offer. If your offer, if you're positioning your offer to solve more than one problem, 
doesn't mean they can't get different results. I'm, I want to be specific with that really quickly because my clients get all kinds of results. But the reason, the only thing I'm positioning my offer to solve is one very specific thing. Doesn't mean that once they get this one specific thing solved, that like some other things, some other big things. So for example, like I've had clients land TEDx talks through their messaging. I've had clients have $500,000 um, sales, like uh, launches. I've, I've had clients legit have better communication with their spouse because I'm teaching them the like value of language. And they're like, oh my God, I actually, like I even had a client who was like, oh my God, I used that one tip with my child and it was insane. It was just a completely different, just the way she worded things. It was so funny. They get all kinds of results, but I'm not out here saying, oh, my offer is going to help you have a better communication with your child. I could probably, if I ever wanted to position it that way, I'd probably could create some type of offer about it, but I'm not a relationship coach. I'm not a parent coach. I'm not any of that. I am messaging and high ticket sales coach. I'm so specific with high ticket sales. And I want you to be able to close high ticket sales without the need to overcome objections on a sales call. And like, you're basically overcoming the objections in your content and you're calling in the perfect fit person so that when they join your program, they are literally ready to go. Like they are like, no hand-holding, they're, they're just, they're ready to go. They already have all the assets. They already have all those things in place. So I hope that was helpful. Okay. And I also will say too, because who would I like, what type of sales coach would I be if I didn't talk about what I offer? I will let you guys know. I, the way to work with me, if you're interested in working with me, I have a shift to sell program in that group hybrid program. You will get access to other people, oh, Daniela, that's like the best compliment ever. Your energy has shifted. Thank you. I'm so glad it shifted and I can feel that it shifted and it just feels really good to be back. So thank you. Thank you for that message. That was like really awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. But yeah, so program is going to be in a group setting. And so you will get access to everyone that's also going through the program at the same time. You will get feedback from me, weekly coaching calls where we dig into mindset as well as the messaging and content. But I, I ran a group earlier this year and I learned a lot from that group. And there were some things I loved and some things that I didn't. But at the end of the day, I actually did really like the group setting because it was just so much easier for people to get the transformation faster. Because I realized that one thing that someone was struggling with was something that a lot of people were struggling with. And I am all about collaboration. And I think that having other people's brains to come up with creative concepts and creative ideas. It's just, it is such an advantage in the entrepreneur space. And I think like, it's just such a great place to be. I love hearing other people's ideas. I love hearing, this is how it sat with me. And this is how it sat with me and really just questioning things. And I just loved it. I, I love it. So if you are interested in that program, shoot me a DM. It's going to be a three-month program. I toyed with it a little bit, but it's going to be a three-month program. It'll take you about six weeks to actually go through the material. And then you'll have about you know a month and a half to be able to really nail it down, get feedback from me, and then get out there and start closing high-ticket sales without sales calls, right? Like creating that content that makes your people go, holy crap, they were in every crevice of my brain. How did they do that? So if you're interested in that program, just shoot me a DM. I'll ask you a few clarifying questions. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can either find me on Facebook and shoot me a DM, or you can send me an email at Ashley May and May is M-A-E. So you can do Ashley May at AshleyMayFernandez.com. 
And yeah, that's it. Thank you guys so much for jumping on live if you've jumped on live. And if you're watching the replay, thank you so much for watching the replay. If you're listening to the podcast episode, thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode. So I hope you all have an amazing rest of your day and we will see you next time. Bye. Oh, friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the No Partner Round Show. I hope you had as much fun as I did, and I would love, love for you to join us on the next podcast recording. You can go to www.ashamayfernandez.com slash podcast to see our interview schedule and the link to join us live to get your questions answered, get some personalized feedback, and one-on-one hot seat coaching from not only me, but the amazing guests that I bring on the show. So I hope to catch you in the next episode, and until then, I will smell you later.